thank the Lord for each and every one of you and for those that have tuned in. We appreciate you coming back uh, with us. We, we're going another direction for a few weeks and God kind of shifted that and I told you last week that when we came back today that I would share some things with you about your targeted assassination. The only way to avoid being assassinated is by uncovering the assassin. Amen. It's important that we understand the method and the mode of the assassination attempt if we are going to thwart its plan. It's important that we see our enemy, understand who our enemy is, so that as we are engaged in warfare against him, we can come out victorious. Amen. So I want to take a little bit of time to just talk to you today about how the devil infiltrates your life and how for some of us, the devil has been hiding closer to you than you think. If somebody is plotting to assassinate you or a public figure or anyone of prominence or importance, someone is uh, plotting to take out a rival, a cohort, the job of the assassin, the one whom is sent to carry out the mission of assassination, his first or her first important plan or important aspect of the plan is that they remain undetected. Amen. Assassins are no good if you see them coming. Amen. If you can see the approach of an assassin, it becomes easier for you to mount a defense. But the job of the assassin is to strike in a manner in which you are unable to defend yourself. Amen. Because the lack of defense allows you to become an easy target. If everyone knows the assassin is present, everyone is empowered to avoid assassination. So the assassin has to work under the cover of darkness. He has to be stealthy like a sniper, one that hits from so far away you don't even know you were targeted until it's too late. He has to fit in and infiltrate your surrounding, your inner circle, without being spotted or recognized. Amen. The devil comes in many ways and disguises himself to infiltrate your life, staying only long enough to cause trouble, but then disappearing behind the scenes before you recognize he is the pot stirrer. I'm going to break some things down for you today that hopefully will inspire you and equip you 
to have better discernment upon the assassins in your inner circle. One of the ways the devil infiltrates your life is by working on your desires, your desires. We, we all must understand that after the knowledge of Christ, you did not lose desires. Desires are still a part of your makeup. The enemy works on your desires. What many people don't understand, when something is caused by a demonic power, they don't recognize or see the motivation or the power behind what's happening in their life because it's functioning or it's coming out of their own desire, they then begin to believe that it is them who is the problem. They, bec they become to believe that it is them that is the issue. It is them who's causing these uh, emotions that are opposite the testimony of their faith. If you have a desire for things that are wrong, that desire did not originate with you. It's important that you understand that. How do you get a desire for substances like drugs or alcohol that destroy your body? You get that desire because it is empowered by an unclean spirit that is trying to infiltrate and align itself with your flesh to produce destruction of the temple. I'm going to teach you some things about counseling that counseling can never accomplish and help you to, take, to stop taking steps backwards. Counseling can teach you self-discipline so you won't do a thing. But many people still have the desire to do the very thing that they choose not to do in varying degrees. God wants you to understand that to just not do a thing is not deliverance. Some people think that just because they don't do it, that somehow they're delivered, set free, and on fire for the Lord. Yet, there's this constant struggle on the inside of them that draws them to these certain things that they're constantly battling against. Watch this. The Bible speaks about the inward parts, or the reins, or even the belly, which refer to the place or the seat of your desires and control. Jesus says this in John 7 and 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's referring to the inner man. David says in Psalms 139 and 13, For thou, that's God, hast possessed my reins. He's referring to the seat of his desire or to the inner man. In the American Standard Version, it says it like this, For thou didst form my inward parts. 
If the devil or any spiritual power gets a hold of you in your inner part, it will pull you by your reins or those very inward desires, those things that actually control you. People who are bound, whether it be by pornography, drug addiction, bitterness, hatred, racism, whatever, anything, actually bound, are, are actually bound in their inward parts or in the seat of their desires, which actually is what controls you. Many times you may even feel a tightness or a weight which seems that's located in your belly or on, deep down on the inside of yourself. In your head, you don't want to do a thing, but something from within you pulls you to do exactly what you don't want to do. While your mind is saying, no, 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 there is this power within you that's saying, yes, yes, yes. This is why men who are violent, abusive, beat their wives and children, often will return to the very victim of their abuse and repent or ask for forgiveness, telling them how sorry they are for what it is they have done. The problem is inside of them. The problem is who is holding the reins, controlling the desires of their inward parts. They constantly will end up going right back to doing the very same thing if there's not a change of management of their desires. The devil, meanwhile, goes undetected because he convinces you that your desire is just that, your desire, and it, it is your desire that's causing you to act or feel the way you act or feel. Actually, it is a spiritual power who has been assigned to control your life through your desires. When you get born again, the devil is put out. But the question becomes, even though the manager has been put out, have the desires changed? Well, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 and 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. So if you have an ultra experience, but you don't want to go to church and I have to follow around uh, after you every day and beg you to come back, then you should start asking yourself if you really ever got saved. Amen. In fact, when you resist the uh, urge to do that which changes your desire, all you've really said in your head is I don't want to go to hell. That's no big deal. Because the devil doesn't want to go to hell either. But it doesn't matter what you want. Because the devil is still going to hell. There's going to be a lot of people in hell that don't want to be there. You'll find very few people in hell that will be screaming, 
So glad I'm here. So glad I made it in the number and was counted worthy to be in this place. You won't, you won't hear that testimony from the bowels of hell. You see, there is a stark difference between a head decision and a heart decision that, come, that, that becomes uh, a heart that becomes submitted to the lordship or the new management of Jesus Christ. James 4 and 7 says this, submit yourself to God or submit yourself to new management. Resist the devil, that's the old management, and he shall flee from you. He will leave. The question becomes is when he comes back, will he still find the same management team in place waiting for some instruction? Christians sometimes get caught up in wrong desires. They watch wrong things, and when they do it, it creates wrong desires. This is why you can't look at everything. You can't listen to everything. The world will tell you you should be well-rounded. God would tell you you should be very, very strictly rounded into those things which are born of God and God alone. But too often, we want to sample everything in life like life is a smorgasbord. And the problem is, is that everything you ingest has an influence on your life. Do you know people can get an unclean desire for gossip? People, and some of you know them, they're not happy unless someone is talking about somebody else. They have an unclean desire for gossip. They're actually character assassins because gossip is typically things said about another person that are not really true or the truth has been altered to flavorize what's being said. We know people right in the church who smile in your face on Sunday, but talk about you all through the week. And then when they see you again, they're back to smiling in your face, acting as if you're their best friend or they got the utmost respect for you or they, they're, they're praying for you. And, and we know most of the time when Christians say they're praying for you, that's about the extent of their prayer was just them saying, I'm praying for you. But they don't really take the time to pause what they're doing and actually start to pray for you. But we know people like this. They're not happy unless they're dogging you out. Their heart starts beating faster when they're hearing things that are being said. They perk up, they get excited, but don't even realize that they're becoming the instrument of assassination. And that motivation is from an unclean desire empowered by an unclean spirit. 
We as the people of God ought to free ourselves from anything that seeks to produce unclean desires and let your heart be towards God alone. This is why I constantly tell everybody you ought to always make self-reflection and take self-assessment of yourself. To say that I know what I'm doing is wrong, but do it anyway, profits you nothing. It doesn't help you. And you will continue to do that which is not right in the sight of God. And we can talk about grace all we want, but grace is not the power to cover your mess. It is the power to be free from doing mess. One of the most fascinating revelations about demons is that they often go undetected because they do not always reveal themselves in the same way. And this becomes important because oftentimes as believers, we don't even know who we're fighting. Most of the time it's manifested in the flesh. You'll realize you're mad at somebody else, but you're actually cussing another person out. And don't even realize the person you're cussing out ain't even really the person you got the problem with. In the first place, the demonic realm will always try to keep itself hidden. That's why they do what they do where? In the light or dark? In the dark. In the dark, it becomes difficult to see what they are doing. They want to throw you off their scent. So they reveal or manifest themselves in ways that you are not expecting. And it's an extremely important for us to understand this. Because the Bible has pointed out to us that there are different classifications of spirit, principality, power, rulers of darkness, spiritual powers in high places. And there are different levels of authority within the spiritual realm. Spirits can be linked together or they can work together. As a matter of fact, the demonic realm is more unified than some of us in the church. Spirits can be linked and work together for the common goal, which is to destroy your life. They have a general, to use a military analogy, who watches over them and whose authority is divided into different levels or classifications for them to function. What I'm saying is many spirits that appear to us in the natural to be complete opposites are actually the same spirit that's at work. They have simply manifested themselves in differing ways so you won't be able to put two and two together and cast them out because we think we are fighting one spirit when we are actually fighting another spirit but don't realize it and our spiritual warfare becomes ineffective because I'm telling the spirit of suicide to go when I'm actually fighting the spirit of depression. Now the spirit of depression doesn't leave. Though I may not kill myself, I can't ever seem to fully recover because I've been dealing with or arguing with the wrong manifestation of the spirit. 
This is what in the spiritual realm is referred to as conventional double manifestation. I come to you one way even though I'm actually another. I protect my real identity. Have you ever met people in life that do that? You think they're one way, but they're really another? And you don't really realize who they really are until you spend some intimate time with them. They pretended to be one thing, so you let them in, only to find out they were completely different than your expectation. Watch this. The spirit of adultery and the spirit of poverty are governed by the same spiritual power. I know this sounds absurd to your natural mind, but let me unmask this according to biblical principles, which are the only principles by which we as the believers of God should function. And I want you to understand and grab a hold of this because it's important, especially for you brethren. Whoever you lay down with gets your money. I'm going to give you a pause to let that salivate in the thinking of your mind for a moment. Whoever you lay down with gets your money. We as God's people need to know this. We want to pretend like and not be real with the things that are necessary for our natural success, yet massage parlors know this. Prostitutes know this. Men who have children by five or six different babies' mamas know this. Whoever you lay down with gets your money. That's why poverty comes upon those who are promiscuous and function under the power of adultery. A lot is being said within our community about being economically empowered, while at the same time, we are very concerned about the rise in sexual activity in our youth. The point is that our answers are not economic, they are spiritual. In our community, the enemy has taken advantage of the crimes and wounds of slavery to further perpetrate a legacy of brokenness in our families. And when this is not dealt with through God's word and spirit, it produces an openness and tolerance for activity, which then brings the fruit of destruction. You see, Satan's goal of bondage is achieved, and although a person can be legally free economically, he can still remain a slave to the system. I'm not saying that only our community has a problem with fooling around, but I am speaking to our culture using a strong example that may make you a little uncomfortable because you have to understand the strong point that's being made. It really doesn't matter what ethnicity we are because there is only one race, the human race. We can still break generational curses. 
It doesn't matter if it's addictions, poverty, divorce, trauma, or destruction through God's power. You and your seed can be blessed. You ought to say it with me now. I am blessed. Oh, you ought to say it like you believe it. You ought to behave like you believe it, that you're free in the power of the name Jesus. I am blessed. You know how everybody in life looks at twins and they're just so fascinated with them, you know? Twins that look identical, identical twins. They look just alike. It seems like, you know, that's, that's like really cool. There's two of me out there. And we're all fascinated with the identical twin. Do you know that what you see in the natural realm is a reflection of things in the spiritual realm? Let me show you a twin that you may not be so excited to see. Rape and murder are twin spirits. I would argue that many of you didn't even realize that. Many times in the Bible, when a man raped a woman, that man died a terrible death. If God didn't kill him, often someone else killed them. I heard it said once that anyone who will lust after your flesh will also kill your flesh. You'll find this to be true throughout the Bible. That's why I try to tell you, you don't need to run to the movies to, to see all kinds of crazy stuff. Just read the Bible. Read the Old Testament. They ain't made movies like the Old Testament. In reading God's words, you'll find several times when an important official has an affair and afterwards the woman would blackmail that official or expose that official to assassinate his character. There are also times when the man got tired of the woman that he's having the affair with and would just simply kill her. He was lusting after her one day only to kill her the next day. These things are tied together. In our day and time, you've seen where God has elevated a prominent person in the ministry to an elevated or great place of ministry. Then the spirit assigned to him to assassinate him will orchestrate an opportunity for sin to be introduced through the act or the spiritual power of adultery. And after this, the minister and his ministry are destroyed. This is also true outside the church. Look at politicians who have tried to run for office as the president of the United States, not including the current one, only to have an affair exposed and cost them the race or sports figures like my friend Tiger Woods who got lumps and bumps and cost them all kinds of endorsement deals because of illicit affairs. You see, you cannot be a sinner and be blessed at the same time. You cannot commit sin and be blessed at the same time. While we look at some that commit sin and we associate prosperity 
as a blessing to them, we've actually been tricked. This is why I've taught the importance of husbands and wives being on the lookout. Because the enemy is on the lookout for every opportunity to destroy or kill your loved one. Or to destroy the ministry that God has put on your loved one. Understand, I'm not saying you ought to doubt your spouse. I'm saying you ought to protect your spouse. Even at times from yourself and themselves. The most innocent of things can become the opportunity for the devil to act. We ought to guard each other like the Secret Service guards the president. And when you look at how the Secret Service works, you'll find that they are there, but they're never in the way of the president doing what the president is called to do. But let something happen. And they come out from all around. And they move the president into a place of safety. This ought to be the attitude that we have for our spouses, especially those who are in ministry. You see, character assassination does not even really need the act to be completed for which the assassination itself is based upon. In many cases, perception is reality, and that is all that is needed to spread the word of infidelity, which then becomes a raging forest fire and destroys everything in its path. But it can all be blocked if we would just stand with the anointed of God who are called to preach the gospel. If we would just watch their back, show love even when you might not feel up to it. Let them know that they are everything, that they are that bag of chips that we used to talk about so many years ago. Tell them everything they need to hear not just what you want them to know, so when the influence comes, they aren't distracted because you've already said it better and done it better. Sometimes you might have to take the sniper's bullet for the one you love. The Bible declares no greater love than to lay one's life down for another. In my secular, I swore I'd get in harm's way for people I don't even know even at the risk of my own life, for people who don't even like me. But for my wife, I would gladly go to my death to preserve her life. And I will take everything out that I can that's trying to harm her on my way out. I will burn the city down until the city gets me, if it's to protect my wife. God uses my wife to encourage me, to lift me up, to bring me joy, to satisfy those desires, to fill my heart with gladness. And I will be, you know what, if I let the devil assassinate her or use me as a weapon to assassinate her. I am united with her, and, we sh and when she can't walk, God empowers me to carry her. And when I can't walk, God empowers her to carry me. Thank God today, God has blessed us to both walk. We're a little bit heavy. But together, we've learned to work 
and to weather every storm. Storms did not cease to come. Our ability to weather every storm that came enhanced. We weather it. We've climbed over mountains. We've defeated enemies that have come against us. And we are victorious because we look out for each other. So what she might miss, God allows me to see. And what I might miss, God allows her to see. And because we have confidence in each other, we listen to what each other is saying, knowing that because of the love that we share, what is being said is not meant to kill us or abort our calling, but it is to get us to our destiny unscathed. Somebody ought to scream hallelujah. Thank you, Paul. You know, an alcoholic father who never earned a dime in his life can produce a son who becomes a millionaire because he is a workaholic. An alcoholic and a workaholic are the same spirit. They just manifest themselves in differing ways. So you can have an alcoholic father living in a shack doing nothing and his son end up owning multi-million dollar businesses. People will say to the son, you are nothing like your father. When in fact, you've become and are controlled by the very same spirit as your father. While the spiritual power goes undetected. You see, the demon will disguise itself. It knows if all the members of the family are alcoholics, sooner or later, someone in the family is going to get smart enough to catch on. However, most of these spirits have been in families for generations and generations, and no one has uncovered them yet. So then the same spirit influences one generation to become an alcoholic, another generation to become workaholics, another generation to become shopaholics, another generation to become foodaholics, another generation to become sexaholics, and so on. But the underlying spirit is addiction, and that spirit goes undetected, and therefore it gets to assassinate generation after generation after generation because that spirit has never been dealt with. While you in the mall being controlled by an addictive spirit that's manifested as a shopaholic spirit, and you walking through the mall praying, asking God to help you not shop, to take this desire to shop away from me, not even realizing that it's an addictive spirit that you ought to be battling against. And then you can't figure out why sometimes you can go through the mall and you'll be just fine. But other times you walk through the mall and all of a sudden, I don't know how these 15 bags got in my hand. I don't know what happened. The next time you're, 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 you're on Amazon, you have no idea how that cart got so full. Have you ever realized that Amazon has a saved for later feature? 
You know there's an issue when instead of putting it in sage for later, you just put it in the cart. Because you know what the cart's going to do. It's going to constantly remind you something's in the cart. And if it's in the cart, that means you're supposed to buy it. So what do you do? It's in the cart. I had to buy it. I don't know how it happened. And you become weighed down and don't even realize the power or the spiritual power that's behind that urge or that desire. How many of you know that demons have panic attacks? Demons have panic attacks. Whenever you see an out-of-balance reaction to a comment or an environment, it is possible that a demon is getting close to being exposed. Otherwise, it keeps mutating and using a different way of operating in your family so no one ever finds out that the same spirit is behind everyone's problems. When you see people go all the way left for a very minor stimuli, something is close to being exposed, so it throws a hissy fit to remove one or the other before the expose takes, takes place. When you get a direct hit, people tend to overreact. I preach and teach pretty much straightforward. And when some people hear me, they overreact. Some people don't like what I say because I am not a motivational speaker. I am a preacher of the gospel. The gospel is for all men, but not all men will receive the gospel. That tells me that this is an exclusive club. It's so exclusive that the road to get into it is narrow, while the road going away from it is wide. So yes, it is available. Membership is open, and it's available for everybody. But you have to conform yourself to the membership rules if you expect to be a member. Many of us are just associates. Associates are people that can come in but don't really have all the privileges of an actual member. They can visit on certain days but the rest of the days, they're not welcome. Some of us, that's how we live. But you know, I say things and people overreact. They want to get up and run out of the church. They want to remove their membership from the church role. Or they want to lash out at me in some way. And that's fine. You want to know what that's called? I'm going to make it plain for you. 
It's called your demon knows if it stays too much longer, I'm going to expose it so clearly that even your crazy self is going to know it. Of course, I'm not saying that everyone who doesn't like me preaching or my style of preaching or who everyone who's left the church has a demon. So don't go out spreading that. Bishop said to everyone that left, GMFC is a demon. <laughs> Not what I'm saying. But some people become hostile and angry anytime you bring up the name of the church in conversation. And such an overreaction is designed to protect the identity of the demonic power that they're dealing with and don't even realize it. You see, if you sit and submit to the word of God, it's, it spells expulsion and disaster for any demonic power that's trying to influence your life. The demon is cast off and out of your life and you are free. So the demon encourages you to overreact. Let me explain it like this, Lucy. You tell a girl, you're just like your mother. Now you think you're giving the girl a compliment, but instead she explodes. I'm nothing like my mother. That's called an overreaction. Do you want to know what it means? It means it's very possible that she is battling the same spirit that her mother battled but she doesn't want to admit it. And the devil doesn't want her to find out about it. It wants her to overreact and act like she's nothing like her mother. And this is why sometimes you get an adverse reaction from your spouse when you look at them and say, you act just like your mother or your father. It could be that same spirit that hindered or assaulted their parent is the same spirit that is hindering you. And that spirit does not want to get exposed because if it gets exposed, it can be cast out. I cannot kick out who I do not know is present. And some of us walk around pretending like ain't nothing present. We're quick to say, I'm not possessed by the devil, and that's really good, and I'm happy for you. Yet your flesh is still in league with and influenced by demonic powers. Your flesh will never be influenced by God. Let me say it again for you in English. Your flesh will never be influenced by God. Let me say it for you in Spanish. Your flesh will never be influenced by God. Your flesh is not, it's just enmity against God. It can only be motivated by the devil. It will never align itself with the word of God. Your flesh will never agree with the word of God. And if you are controlled or the seat of your desire is controlled by your flesh, then you are ultimately controlled by the devil, even though you're not possessed by the devil and we have to understand this 
you know, spirits can be passed down or assigned to families. The spirit upon the father or the mother can be transferred to their children and to future descendants unless that spiritual power is stopped. You have the power to break family spirits. You can't allow what has killed your forefathers spiritually to destroy you as well. Somewhere down your bloodline, someone has to rise up under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and break the curse in the name which is above every name, in the name that causes every knee to bend, in the name who has all power, in the name whom all authority flows, in the name of Jesus. Somebody has to stand up and declare Jesus over this. It's occurred long enough, but it, the buck stops here. My grandmama was a gossiper, talked about the church folk. My mama was a gossiper, talked about the church folk. But I refuse in the power of the name of Jesus to talk about anyone in the body of Christ. The devil be a liar. So if you look through your family tree and you find that all males have an issue with pornography or alcoholism or drug addiction or fear or their marriages always end up in divorce or whatever the, the continuing issue or dilemma is, please have some compassion on your future family and deal with that spirit before that spirit matriculates through your particular bloodline. You have to break it. Otherwise, the spirit will try to manifest itself in your new family, in your extended family, in their families. Every family has a certain weakness. Every family, every person has proclivities that they're battling against. And if you don't break that thing, your children are going to have to break it. And if your children don't break it, your grandchildren are going to have to deal with it. And if your grandchildren don't do it, your great-grandchildren don't do it. And if it goes on long enough, you may never see that power broken. Many of us are battling against things our parents didn't have the understanding or the revelation to break. It wasn't that they were evil or that they were against you. Perhaps they just did not have the light to receive the knowledge of who it was that actually was attacking them. You see, when understanding and revelation come, they bring the power to break the assignment. And when your children are born, they are truly born free. They have a level playing field. They don't have to start out in a deficit. Every woman that's given birth has talked to a doctor, that, that has talked to a doctor, has been told, pretty much the same thing as it relates to what your baby ingests is based upon what you as the mother ingests. That's why they tell pregnant women don't drink alcohol. Why? Because it can have an adverse effect 
on the development of the child. Don't smoke. Why? Because it can have an effect on the development. I'm using the word development on purpose. I could have just said on the life of the child, but that's not really what's at stake at this stage. It's on the development of the child. The enemy wants the child to develop in a manner where they are susceptible to the spirit that has been assigned by him against your family. You need to read the word of God over your children before they're born. You ought to prophetically, I didn't say pathetically, prophetically speak over your children. You ought to talk to God about the destiny of your children and then name them according to their destiny. You want to name your kids Bebe and wonder why they act up. When we know we associate bad behind children as Bebe's kids. In the Bible, a person's name is tied to their destiny. Where do you want your children to be? What do you want your children to become? Don't name your child after ungodly things or ungodly people who live a life of bondage and destruction. And then get frustrated when they act like who you named them after. Matthew 12 gives us a description of family spirits. I'm almost done for today. Matthew 12, 43 through 45, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now I want you to hone in on something that's really important that jumps off the page at me. When I'm reading this, it's almost like it's 3D, it's three-dimensional. It's elevating itself off the, the pages as if the ink has raised itself. It's the phrase, my house from whence I came out. The word house can also mean household. For example, in the Bible, we find that God put a hedge all around Job and all of his house wasn't talking about his physical structure but the familial structure if a man has a spirit that dominates his life that man dies through a tragedy like drug addiction or alcoholism or violent murder or something of that nature or even commit suicide that spirit has to leave him and go somewhere I'm not talking about casting a spirit out of a living person. You see, sometimes people die with spirits, and sometimes spirits even cause people to die before they have lived a full life. 
After the man dies, the spirit comes out of him and says to itself, self, I've got to find a new house. Oh, where, oh, where should I go? Then it decides something very interesting. I'll go back to the same house. Now, if you just listen to what I said, the house died, yet it is going to go back to the same house. It cannot embody that which is dead. So house can not only mean an individual, but can be a household, people who are connected through blood. It is also, uh, uh, that spirit is already acquainted with the proclivity of that family. It's, it's already aware that in this familial line, these things, they are susceptible to. This is what they are susceptible to. For many uh, generations, even Christians didn't have adequate teaching on this, so they were not very successful in preventing a family spirit from getting into their families. And it's very possible that you are battling the same spirit that, that your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, and your uncles have battled throughout their lifetime. And if this is what's going on, you are dealing with a spirit that is assigned to destroy your bloodline. And while you think your bloodline is fine because you've produced some babies, you don't even realize you've planted a seed that's snuffing out your bloodline from generation to generation. Let me close on this one. Because some people would, they don't realize spirits have come in because they don't understand the way spirits come in. If I understand the way a spirit can come or enter into my life, I can block that avenue of approach. If I know the thief is coming through my front door, I can deadbolt my front door to make it more difficult for the thief to come in. I can take the frame of my door and make it a metal frame to make it even more difficult to come in. I can add a second door to make it even more difficult for the enemy to come in. Why? Because I know the way the enemy's coming. Have you ever noticed that sometimes after one teenager commits suicide, many other students in the same school will do something very similar? Educators become alarmed because once it hits, it hits like an epidemic. You can bring in clergy to counsel with the students, and that's a good thing. But the truth is, somehow or some way, a spirit has found a spiritual door open into that school. 
until that door is shut and the devil is cast out of that school, many other children may commit suicide. You'll see this also with the rise of uh, school shootings. It seems that every school shooting is worse than the previous school shooting, and this has been going on since before, before uh, Columbine. But it seems it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and it's getting more rampant, and it's getting more rampant, and we keep talking about gun control when we don't even realize it's not gun control that's the issue. It's a spiritual power that's trying to destroy our youth. And if we don't deal with the power behind the epidemic, the epidemic will continue to thrive. Rather than just counseling with the survivors, the educators should bring in a minister of the gospel to cast the spirit out in the name of Jesus. You have to understand it can't be a novice minister, nor one who is, you know, used to some type of spiritual warfare, but is not developed or prepared, else they will end up like the disciples who could not cast the demon out of the man and ask Jesus why it was so. Just because we wear a collar and have a cross, and have some title, minister, elder, pastor, whatever, if you're not prepared, you will find yourself ineffective in dealing with demonic power. My wife and I have constantly gone out and anointed and prayed over people's homes including homes where there was evidence of demonic activity. And after we do this, I remind people that the standard has now been set, that the spiritual power of God has been raised around the perimeter of their home. But there's a catch. They have, as the owner of the house, authority and power to allow whatever spirit into their home because the home is released into their control by God. And as long as they stay in agreement with God, their homes will remain safe. But if they should step out of agreement with God in their living and allow just anyone to enter their home, then they have become the open door to the enemy gaining a foothold back where he was cast out. If you are sanctifying or consecrating your home, then only consecrated things should be able to enter your home. Do you know that the temple of God, they did not, the, the temple in the Old Testament, they did not allow unconsecrated items into, else that item would defile the consecration of the house? Yet we as believers constantly let the unconsecrated things into our houses. We let the unconsecrated things, the things that are not set apart to God, into our minds, 
into our ears, into our mouths, into our belly. And then we wonder why there is a desire in us for which we struggle. You see, we can open spiritual doors, which are ways for the devil and his forces to gain entry into your life. And when we let people into our homes, we don't ever know what they are dealing with and should use discernment because if they are carrying something, that something is going to try to remain with you. Even if I give you a bottle of anointing oil and a bucket of holy water and you spread that around uh, every week, demons aren't afraid of your water or your oil. When Jesus cast the devils out of the man filled with the legion into the pigs, where did they go? They went straight to the water. You have to, uh, you, you, you have to, power you have to have power to cleanse your house because it does not have the right to be there god has given you the right to be there and everyone else who comes goes and comes by your authority goes and comes by your authority Now, one of the best things that the president has is the Secret Service. One of the best things Whitney Houston had was Kevin Costner. Because Kevin was her bodyguard. If you come back next week, I'm going to tell you about the bodyguards that are assigned to help you be successful. I want you to think about this. While the president has the ultimate authority in the United States for varying things, if there is a danger to his life, the president cannot tell the Secret Service, I'm staying right here. Because of who he is, the bodyguard has the authority to remove him out of harm's way, even against his wishes. Don't you think about that? Because some of you are fighting against your bodyguard. And you're making it difficult for them to keep you in a state of success. It's important that we understand what's going on and why what's going on is going on. In your life, in your family's life, in your culture, in your ethnicity, in your community, in your city, in this nation, in this world. Because the only avenue to success is through Jesus Christ. And when we emulate anything but Jesus, 
we are emulating our own destruction. And some things done cannot be undone. And there are consequences to the things that we do. There are consequences. Remember, repentance is about turning, changing behavior. Forgiveness is about removing judgment against you for what you've done. But it does not mean open the door for you to do the same thing again. I can forgive you, but if you have not repented, and true repentance is no longer doing that thing, I can forgive you, but I have the spiritual right to break fellowship with you because you're living an unrepentant life. My prayer is for your success, for your restoration, so that you can walk emulating God, and in that moment we can be restored as brethren, sistering, as family, whatever. But while you're living in an unrepentant state, Two cannot walk together lest they be agreed. That means I have to love you and pray for you without victimizing myself to your rebellion against God. Because ultimately your rebellion isn't against me anyway. Your rebellion is against God. Hear the words that I've said to you today. Let them be a blessing. Let them teach you who your real enemy is and uncover who's been hiding in your surroundings so that you can live totally and completely free. Let's look to the Lord. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, everyone under the sound of my voice, we ask thy peace, thy blessing, thy prosperity, thy protection. Minister to each of us at the point of our need. You are the healer, so heal. You are the deliverer, so deliver. You are the way maker, so make a way. You are the open door, let your sheep come in. You are the closed door, keep the wolves out. Father, you know us better than we know ourselves. Meet us at the point of our need. Meet us on the battlefield of our struggle. Be our resource and our strength. Be our hope and our joy. Father, Lord, we love you. Have mercy upon us and deliver us from evil. Make thy face shine upon us and grant to us your peace. In our going out and in our coming in. 
in our lying down and in our rising up, in our labor and in our leisure, in our laughter and in our tears. Until that day, you call us to be home with you. That great getting up morning where we will declare, fare thee well, fare thee well. Father, bless us and use us for your purpose and glory. Father, your son David said, if there be in me anything unlike you, remove it. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Have mercy and wash me with the blood of the Lamb of Jesus that I might walk in the newness of life that the seat of my desires would be changed. That I would long after the righteousness of my Lord. And I would be all you've created me to be. In the name of Jesus. Father, remove my detractor. When their detraction has been finished. Because even as you sent the buffeter to Paul, I know in times we may need to be buffeted, lest we get the big head. But when the work of the detractor is over, and we've remained in a place of humility, keep us where only you can, in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty that we might exemplify you in the earth. Bind the work of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. Break every generational spiritual power that's been functioning undetected in our families right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for complete victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Whatever petitions be on the heart of your children, Father, now minister to them. Grant to them your victory. And we thank you right now. As we break this service, Father, break not the fellowship of your spirit with us but take us into our respective homes and destinations in safety and in care and bring us back together again at the next appointed time. Charge thine angels to guard this place, bearing the sword not in vain, for this is the heritage of God. In Jesus' name we pray.